we'd like to welcome everyone back to the Duck Pond Wall, a show here on WEHC 90.7, WISEFM Wise 90.5, where we get to sit down with someone fun and talk about a story or a project. Today, I actually have two guests in the studio at WEHC, Davis Ward and his granddaughter, Melanie Bry. Davis, how you doing? Just fine, thank you. Good. Melanie, how are you today? Good. Good, 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 good. Well, I'm glad you're both here today. We're going to talk about history today. Sometimes we're talking about projects or work and that kind of stuff, but today we're going to do a little bit of history. But first of all, let's start with your history. What 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 year did you graduate from Emory and Henry? I, di- I, di- I didn't graduate. I was attended three years, and I got drafted in the military, and after I got out of there, I went to another school. Nice. So, so which three years were you here? 49 through 52. Through 52. All right. So you knew some cool people because I know some of those people. Yeah. Those were fun. Yeah. 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 Did you enjoy your time at Emory? Oh, I did. Dr. Davis is one of them, you know. The, Chick the, Davis, right? A period of time, I was like a 17, 18-year-old, and World War II had just ended in 45, late 45. Right. And they had had the GI Bill, and a great portion of the students were on the GI Bill. They were veterans. Here, I was a little kid. I had a, you know, a real experience uh, associating with people that were like 26, 27-year-old and had lived a uh, number of years as a, as a military person. Right. You know. And so you left to join? I didn't leave to join. <laughs> they, they left me. Oh. You, you know, you had to register. It's 18 when you registered. Right. You got at the drafted. draft board. And I got an S classification, which was student, for, uh, and then the Korean War started, and things picked up in in '52, and they canceled my S classification because they had a quota, they boosted their quota uh, that they had to supply, and they said they could not justify another S classification, so they put me on. They said sent me a letter saying, "Well, you're you're on." next on the list to be drafted, you know. So I didn't want to necessarily be drafted, so I uh, went and talked to the people of the Navy and ended up in the Marine Corps. How, how long were you in the Marine Corps? Four years. Four years. Yeah. Did you go to Korea? No. The war ended by the time I got trained and getting ready to go, and the war ended in 53, late 53, and and. You know, I I did not get, go. Yeah, I did. I'm well, happy I didn't. Yes. But in the meantime, you you met some girl from Emory and Henry. Is that right? I, while I was here in school in 1951, I met Nancy Ball. You know, at Emory, and yeah. we were we were good friends. She the little story behind that was I did not know her. You know, and this big campus I did. It's a big old place, right? Well, I just didn't know her. But, okay, she had called this one guy to be a for rush party. And, again, and he ta- he come one day and said, I don't like that girl. And next time I, she calls me, I'm going to tell her to call you. And uh, and she called me, you know, the next time. So And, and that's how you got together? That's how in the next 70-some years we were together, yeah. 70-some years. Good heavens to Betsy. Nobody gets to do that anymore. That is that is crazy. No, no we, uh, of course, I, she graduated in 54, I guess it was, and work. And then and, and we got married while I was still in the military. Uh, as a couple, where did you start out? Uh, In Tuscaloosa, Alabama. 
Holy cow. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's where we started because I was in the military and, and uh, they, uh, I was looking for some place to go to school and I don't know why, Alabama, I applied down there and several other schools. Yeah. And we ended up, drove down and looked around, and and we liked the looks of the place. Is that where you ended up, did you finish your degree down there? Mm-hmm, I did. Oh, okay. And, uh, now, where were, where did you grow up? In uh, Hawkins County, Tennessee, uh, a place called Sir Goinsville. Yeah, I know that Sir Goinsville. And where And where did Nancy grow up? Jonesville, Virginia. Oh my goodness! All right. Well, that's by the way the crow flies. That's not very far from Sir Goinsville. No, it's not because about maybe forty miles. Lee County is way out there in Virginia. It's it's the very tip of Virginia, as far down that way as you can get. It really is. Well, it's you know, and one of the things that we always end up talking about actually is Nancy's family because she has so many connections to Emory and Henry. They are deeply rooted in Emory and Henry. I was not, you know, just. Paul Brown. I've never you never heard of him. I don't guess. Yeah, wait a minute. Wait for actually he was no for Emory and Henry. Yeah. Reverend Paul Brown. He was in he was a minister at the local church here and worked at the college obviously. Yeah. And he come down in '49, I guess it was when I was in high school, talking to our class about coming to Emory and Henry. Yeah. And uh, uh, nobody was interested, so I felt really bad <laughs> and. That you know, nobody even talked to him, so I went. I decided I'd go talk to him. And he talked me into coming up here to him. And he, he was my preacher in Dublin for a while. He was. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Nicest folks are deeply rooted in Emory and Henry. Yeah, and so she was a she was a ball. Her main right. name was Ball. Ball. And tell us, so one of the things that we always end up talking about is this house across the road from campus or on Hillman Highway. Right. It's a house that. Depending on when you were at Emory and Henry, you kind of know it by different names. My generation sort of knew it as the Roland House. You know, Nanny Roland mm-hmm. had rented out to students for a long time and made it about, had the little place out back was available. And so we kind of knew it as the Roland House, but that's not where it started, is it? No. James A. Davis. James A. Davis, yeah. Built the house. He he first started teaching Emory and Henry. He lived in the buyer's house upstairs with his family right. and held classes downstairs. And then after he got settled in at Emory, he decided to buy the farm out there along the road where he built the house. Right. And build a house in the early 1850s. Okay. He built the house. Okay. And also he recognized that a lot of the students in this area were not prepared to go to college. Hmm. So when he built his house, he built a little school beside of it. And run the school as well as teachers at Emory and Henry. Yeah. Preparing students for uh, uh, college classes. So the schoolhouse and the house was built eighteen early 1850s. And, By James And A. he Davis. moved in and uh, offered students a job, you know, working on the farm to some degree if they wanted to. You know, they needed yeah. some means of support and help the college as well as help them financially i guess and and james a davis's name has stayed in the emory and henry lexicon because we have a faculty award named for him an award that the alumni association gives out every year the james a davis faculty award is given to an outstanding faculty member and the reason it's named for him is because he was the first emory and henry student to come back and teach at the college 
So that's how his name sort of got attached to that faculty award. So, mm-hmm. so how long did he live in that house? Do you know? I don't. I don't know the time. Uh, but a long time. Long time until his death, I'm sure. But I don't know when that is. I yeah. don't remember when that was. Rather. And then, and then it passed down to the Ball, Ball generation. family because he married James A. Davis. One of his daughters married Enoch Marvin Ball. Ball. And we got it right. And right. they have two children. Jim Ball and Martin Ball, and Martin was Nancy's father. Right. And Martin Ball was uh, associated with Emory and Henry because his family was uh, into the Methodist organization. Okay. Most of them were ministers. Their name was Boring. Very boring group. How funny. I mean, you know, it's hard not to make fun of that, isn't it? Wouldn't you hate, you know, Melanie and I were talking about how we have complicated names, but at least our name isn't boring. <laughs> but there's a lot of ministers that were trained at Emory Henry. You know, Emory Henry is sort of the center of Methodism for the Holster Conference at that time. Right. You know, they have conferences here sure. and everything. So uh, Martin Ball came with his family. The Borings here to. Uh, so did he marry a no? He married James A. Davis's daughter. Who so where, was how did the Borings get in? Well, his family, his mother's folks were Borings. Oh, his mother's family. So they were oh, all ministers, you. and they came here and they brought him. He was a ball, of course, but he was his mother's boring, and his uncles and everybody was Borings. Everybody was boring. If you if you know the Borings. They they built Methodist churches from here to Middle Tennessee. Boring Chapel. There's oh, a Boring Chapel sure. near Jonesboro, Tennessee. Right what now, it's in operation. All right. And other they worked their way down in the early days of Tennessee, establishing and building churches. So the balls were relinked to Emory and Henry through the Borings, which is all a part of Methodism. All and, right. and And Emory Henry is a center of training the ministers and they had meetings here and they brought their kids and it happened that he married one of the Davis girls, one of the boring ball okay. family married into Davis girls. So Martin was <laughs> Nancy's father. Right. And that's kind of a tragic story, isn't it? It is. He was killed he was killed in an accident during the building of Norris Dam, one of the first T V A dams in the T V A system of dams. He was uh, in the administrative, but he was diving off of the dam after it was built or something. Oh, hit his head on something. Oh, that's terrible. But, yeah. Uh, so what happened to, to Nancy's mom? She died before he did. Uh, she had uh, surgery for appendicitis, and this was in the days before they had antibiotics, and she didn't recover from the appendicitis operation in Pennington Gap, Virginia. Wow. Uh, the hospital there. She died in something when she was little, very young. I don't recall the exact time. So how old was she when her dad died? She was still little, wasn't yeah, she? Yeah, she's five or six, maybe. Oh, my gosh. Uh, he died in 36. She was born in, she's four. Okay. She was born in 32, and he died in 36. So he, she was four years old. So she, she was really on her own after that. What what happened with her? Well, uh, her grandmother, Calc who was Nancy's mother's mother, Okay, took her, her and her brother in and raised them. Wow. So she was raised by her grandmother, Cowk, C-O-U-K. Okay. Her m- mom's oh. name was uh, Clara Cowk. Okay. And he met her going to school at Virginia Intermont College. Huh. That's where they met 
here in Bristol yeah. area. And they were teaching school together in southwest Virginia somewhere. And that's where they ended up teaching school together and ended up getting married. And we're, We have another interesting story to tell here, and I, I think we're going to make Melanie do this one. But, but let me quickly remind everyone that we're speaking today with Davis Ward, um, who was at Emory & Henry from 49 to 52, and his granddaughter, Melanie Bry. And let's just start with the cemetery. So... The Emory Cemetery, that which is a beloved cemetery by everybody who ever goes to school here, has a story about the cemetery, I think. We kind of go sparking up there, if sparking is still a word. <laughs> um, you know, we sort of, we take walks up there. It's just, a, it's, a, it's a beloved part of the Emory experience, I think, to spend time up there. But it initially started as a Davis family cemetery plot. Is that right? Mm-hmm. You want to let her tell this yeah, part? Yeah, she all right, knows I more t- about it. Than I all right, so Melanie, I want you to put your put your nose right up next to that thing. There's a there's a little something special in that cemetery, right? What's yeah. What's up there that not everybody has paid attention to? A little concrete statue pony. A little concrete statue pony. Why is that there, Melanie? Because James A. Davis had six kids and. Um, there's a small epidemic in the 1850s called scarlet fever, and they didn't like their medicine, so they did, refused to take it. So he wanted his kids to take his med- their medicine. So he promised them he'd buy them a pony if they took their medicine, and so they did because they really wanted a pony. But unfortunately, uh, four of his kids died, so he buried his kids on the top of the hill, at Emory Henry College Cemetery. They were also one of the first kids to be buried there at Emory Henry Cemetery. But he still wanted to keep his promise, even though when they died, so he buy them a concrete statue pony and he placed it on their graves. You know, that story gets to me every time. Nancy's told me that story many times, but I think you did as well or better than your grandmother did mm-hmm. telling that story. And it always touches my heart. Do you think that's sad? Yeah. And now every time I see it, it breaks my heart to think about what hardship that family must have gone through. Yeah. Well, quinine is what they used to treat it at that time. And you can imagine how terrible quinine tastes. Yeah. So the kids, you know, he's trying to come up with a plan to get them to take the quinine, which is the only thing they had. And it, it didn't help a lot, apparently. Oh, my goodness. So they so four of the six died of scarlet fever. Yeah. And so the little pony kind of keeps them company. Mm-hmm. And so we always joke that it actually looks like a donkey instead of a pony. It does. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's in that day and time, every, every who designed and cast that for him had their own idea what a pony ought to look like. But I guess uh, if you see a baby pony, the ears are extra large compared to the body, you know. Right. And so it, it, I could see it, but he he really enlarged them with that pony. Those giant ears. And they and he fenced it in with a pipe fence to keep the cows out in the early days, so, okay. you know. And then it morphed into a cemetery and later on and full-fledged cemetery. A lot of people see that little 
donkey or pony and don't have any idea why it's yeah, there. Significant. But it's so. been there for how, you did the math. How many Almost years? Almost 200, 250 years. years. Almost 200 years. It's been 175 years yeah. approximately. And you guys have taken on the sort of family tradition of keeping that little pony yeah. up to date, right? Yeah. And, uh, my wife and grandkids and everybody's worked on it, you know, over the years. She was big into keeping it going and looking after it. So we've we put a wreath on it twice a year, and uh, somebody adds other things to it. Other members of the family add things to the pony as we go along also. Well, and you took it one time. I remember I remember Nancy called and said, don't panic. We're taking the pony to repaint it or, and to fix well, it and up. Well, and fix its leg. They hit its leg, damaged its leg with a lawnmower. Yeah. And, and also it needed refurbishing and painted, faded over the years. And she retouched the paint and had the person fix the leg on it for it, make it back to original condition. A lot of those old markers, grave markers, will have like a lamb on top, yeah. especially the children's markers will have a little lamb yeah. or a little angel. But to see just a pony sitting up there, that's, that's kind of unique. That's yeah, not, it's You very don't see unique, that every day. Now, one of your kids went to Emory Henry, Tom, Tom. Ward. So that means no pressure, Melanie, but to keep the tradition alive, you're going to have to come to Emory and Henry. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. So you're, <laughs> she didn't so you're disagree, prepared. Did. I, thanks for not arguing with me. <laughs> she thought know. about it. Me and her talked about it. We were sitting up at the cemetery this morning, and we were looking down here talking about it, you know. Oh, all right. That's good. Doing some good recruiting. That's great. <laughs> all right. Well, we're, we're about to run out of time. So as we wrap up, um, are there any other sort of big stories that we didn't hit that we need to make sure we cover? Uh, there's two. Well, I want to mention yeah. especially about, you know, where the crow's nest was. That, that, that was the, the White House on Linden Street that we yeah, were both and, crow's and nest. and there's a house directly across from the crow's nest, a two-story house. That's right. where you turn to the cemetery. Oh, right. What, and, At, again, depending on what when you were here, we called that yeah. Damer House because Ed Damer yeah. owned that I don't, last. I don't know yeah. who owned it. But they used to let upstairs, they let students stay upstairs when I was here in the for, late 40s. This was in the 40s. One of the people that lived up there was a World War II veteran. And he was a demolitions person in the war, and and he got caught and survived the Bataan Death March. No kidding. That 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 to me that's amazing. I mean, you know, a lot of people, a great number of people did not survive. No. Them. And he was he he was a Bataan Death March survivor. My first year here in '49. Yeah. He was there, and I met him, and uh, we, you know, he was talked to some of us about what he did and 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 uh, in, in military and uh being uh in the Bataan death march that is that's amazing and that's one thing that you pro- got, you guys probably heard a lot of stories from veterans yeah. a lot of them here that's one of the one that i specifically remember another one i wanted to mention did you ever hear of lock loman yeah not not the bank not the irish plow <laughs> But the guy who had a band? Yeah. yeah. You, have you heard of Lock Loman? I have heard of Lock Loman. Okay. I was a member. I'm the surviving, only surviving member of Lock Loman Band. I did not know that. He was kind of famous. <laughs> I, I grew up in Pulaski County, and he was kind of famous. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. his home territory, yeah. I think. Yeah. He had a big band here. I I, I sort of backed into being a member of that. <laughs> what did you play? I played a guitar. Not a, I'm not a great, don't claim to be a great guitar player, not even average, but 
my brother played a, a banjo, and we had a lot of people in the family that played things, and I wanted to try too. So I had me a guitar, and I brought it to Aaron Henry with me because I thought somebody up here could give me some hints, so, you know, sure. how to play. I had the, the the guitar here, and I was on the campus, and Locke Loman uh, was playing in Bristol that night uh, on a Friday General Shelby Hotel or something of that nature. And uh, somehow he lost the guitarist he had, <laughs> or didn't sick, or I don't know, whatever. Did you do something he, to the guitarist so you could be in the band? Did you uh, like him in a closet? <laughs> and, uh, and well, Locke was looking, and somebody said, well, Ward's got a guitar. He may play a guitar, you know. And he came up there at the crow's nest and asked him, he said, you play a guitar? I said, well, I could try. I don't claim to be world famous, you know. So he said, come and practice with us on Thursday and Friday. We're going to play on Saturday. <laughs> oh, gosh. You didn't have a whole lot of time to get ready. <laughs> and so I went and uh, with uh, practiced with him and played, and I played the rest of the time I was here with him. He, I guess he thought I was acceptable. Um, <laughs> and uh, there was, like, Tommy Sokol. You ever heard of him? Yes. He played trumpet. Ralph McPherson. Yeah. Uh, you know Ralph? I didn't know he was in the Lock Loman band. Oh, he he that was one of his greatest accomplishments. That is I mean, funny. according to him, he played a trombone. Yeah. The, that was part of his obituary. He's so proud of it. He they mentioned at his that funeral that he played in the Lock Loman band at Emerson College. That is sweet. BJ Holiday was our vocalist up front fronted the band. You ever hear of her? She's still living. Probably. I don't even know. She yeah, she was married at the time. Yeah, she, uh, she married Kenny Ellis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's BJ Holiday was what she went by at the time as the band front. That is such a great name for a singer, isn't it? BJ Holiday. Yeah, yeah, that's great. We he thought Lock Loman liked it. I never knew that she uh, was a singer, much less in the Lock Loman band. And uh, she once well, she fronted the band the whole time, and I was with them uh, maybe a year and a half before I got gone. But yeah, he had a big band: three trumpet players, three trombone players, of course a drummer, uh, a guitarist, and a piano player. Well, the interesting thing was, at the time, my dad was making 45 cents an hour working at a, in Kingsport at Eastman. Oh. <laughs> he made 45 cents an, an hour. hour. And we would play from 9 o'clock at night till maybe 1 in the morning. Uh, sometime when everybody got tired and left, you yeah. know. So I'm saying three hours. Yeah. And he paid me like $12 for three hours, which is big money. Yeah. <laughs> I thought at least uh, for the day, you know, maybe 10 Was your dad jealous that you were doing so well? Well, I, I, don't, I don't think I ever told him, but i just equating my uh, income playing a that really hurt my grades. <laughs> he'd probably funny. kill me if he'd have known yeah. it. And Where all did you play? I mean, what? Uh, Hotel venues? Bristol, Hotel General Shelby. We played a lot of high school proms. I remember we played East Stone Gap. We played at uh, played at Galax uh, for a, a function at Galax uh, and the hotel in Marion. We played that there several crazy. times. The, we played for McLaughlin over in the uh, Grundy. Like in Grundy? Put us up in a hotel, and we played for whatever the organization was, like a JCs or something like that, How fun. on Saturday night. That's a you know something I'm proud of. Uh, have been a participant, although I don't never even thought of myself of being a great musician. All right, so, well I think we're we're about out of time, okay. so I'm just going to say that I think it's perfect that you went from playing with Locke Loman's band 
for a McLaughlin event to being in the McLaughlin Center for the Performing Arts in WEHC Studios recording this this conversation. That's, well, uh, we're gonna we're gonna have to to wrap up. Okay. But I want to just thank both of you for being in the studio today. Okay. Our, our guests today have been Davis Ward and Melanie Bry. And I want to thank both of you for being here. Thanks for coming well, in. You're I enjoyed it. I, we, we, I overrun Melody, and she didn't have a lot of stories. But of course, she, had, she had a good one. She had the good one. She got to tell the good story, yeah, that's for she sure. she did do that. Well, thank you both for being here. And we want to thank everybody for being with us today on WEHC and hope you've enjoyed this fun conversation about a little bit of history. Please stay tuned to WEHC because it is, after all, the voice of Southwest Virginia.